Hey, and welcome to Sign of the Crime. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Q McGrath. And today we are talking about the motherfucking Menendez brothers. And I think we should mention that last week we were like, we're going to do Gianni oh, Versace. Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> here's the deal. So I canceled Schmerak Shmivi. Schmerak uh, Shmivi? Sh- I'm, I'm not saying it out loud, but it You're rhymes not saying with... It- you're not saying it at all in any way. Uh, am I shrekt shivi? Oh, oh, <laughs> not roundabout, but shrekt. Shrekt. And not the radio, but the shivi. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. the shivi. Yeah. You yeah. canceled that shit. Yeah, I canceled that shit because they were like, hey, you know how we used to charge you $44 and then we raised it to $77? It's now $120. And I was like, mm, no, thank you. And they were like, you're well, like, what this if- Capricorn likes to save money. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, it's going to be a no from me. And they were like, these bitches had the audacity. They were like, well, what if you paid 90 for 55 channels? And I'm like, how many do I have now? And they're like 150. And I'm like, so you want me to pay $15 more for a third of what I'm currently getting? Yeah, I'm a pass. So just um, like a man. Just yeah, you dude. Know, I was just like, like what, mm, honey? Mm. That's not a, that's not an attractive offer. No, I'm uh, I'm not into it. I'm not into you. Um, and so, but I had saved a, a really interesting Dateline that had the Menendez brothers on it that I was going to oh. lose on the 15th. Oh, so right. I was we like, got- I called Remy and I was like, Do you mind if we do the Menendez brother? And she was like, I sure don't. So oh, that's I'm what we're fascinated doing. Fascinated by this case and. I had no idea how insane the astrology was going to be. So I am very excited to talk about it. But you know what else I want to tell you about? Tell me. I want to tell you about the experience that I just had. The traumatizing experience that I just had. Oh, no. Snaking my fucking shower drain. I Okay. Not what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Actual fucking creatures. Oh. Made of hair. Made of muck. I've never snaked a drain before. Okay, but Remy, look at your head. I mean, come on. What did you expect? We have a lot of hair over here. Yeah. (laughs) We love a head of hair. Well, this is what I was telling my roommate because we were doing it together and we both have a lot of hair. And I was like, it's so wild because like, I, I was sneaking it and I was like, you know what this is? <clears throat> this is a fucking commercial for male pattern baldness. I was like, <laughs> hey guys, want to know the upside? Oh man. I was like, wow, you know, they really have something going on the evolutionary scale because over here I got, and also I got so nature's like, nah, you don't need it. Fucking winded, like winded. <laughs> pulling this hair out of the fucking drain. I was like, my thighs were shaking. My, my arms were like, I I was like, how do I get the hair? It's like, maybe it's also because we have a, like our snake wasn't straight. It was, it was like round. They sold it to us round. (laughs) The snake, the snaking thing. Yeah. It was like coiled, like a coil. Yeah. And it didn't like, it wouldn't straighten. So anyway, it was, it was like maneuvering that thing down the drain was so fucking difficult. And I just feel like I got forced into a uh, physical activity that I didn't want to do. And okay, this is you complaining about me making you do yoga about a month ago. <laughs> like, and you offered and you were like, not this kind of yoga. Yeah. Not yoga where you fucking hurt. I just like yin yoga where you like stretch and it's like very <laughs> calm. I call that snack yoga. <laughs> 
you're in yeah fuck yeah that's you exactly like, right you just lay over and then while you're on that side you're like that's a piece of cake <laughs> say goodbye <laughs> put it down <laughs> exactly yes you have now tapped into the exact type of yoga that i'm interested in i want to mm-hmm. do child's pose for like 15 minutes and then just like someone just slides. That's just called laying down. Someone just like (laughs) slides a flan under my mouth. (laughs) And then I'm just like, nom, nom, nom. That is the type of like child's pose is basically the position you used to lay in as a child of the bassinet. Isn't that what mom said? I'm going to, you were like, yes, Yes. she told me that I would like hump. I would like hump. I was like, and I would like go into that position. And let me tell you, it is so comforting for me. As an adult, you do it with Blue Frog now. Do what? Get in that position with Blue Frog. I've I seen do? you do it. Yeah, in my I've sleep? seen you do it. Yeah. So for everyone who's curious about Blue Frog, Blue Frog is my stuffed animal that I have as a 40-year-old. It's really pretty self-explanatory. It's a big blue frog. And I he's also my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the most trustworthy of any boyfriend oh. you've ever had. Honestly. <laughs> I have I've had like one boyfriend who who hasn't cheated on me or lied. Have you had one? I've had one. <laughs> who was it? I can't. Th- oh, Rob. Nick? Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, yeah. were you dating Nick? I don't know. If you were dating Nick and you called him a boyfriend, then he didn't cheat on you or lie. He just got really crazy attached. And yes, Rob. Rob was um, sweet. Rob was sweet. Yeah. And Nick yeah. was great too. You know what? They yeah. were great. Yeah. We, we don't speak, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean also can we talk about how all these like well yeah all these boyfriends are from like a thousand years ago because i've just really been like you know let's just chill on the dudes let's someone asked me they were like does your sister date a lot and i'm like what men <laughs> i was like no no <laughs> like and it doesn't make i was like well we're in the middle of a pandemic so i don't know who i don't know who's out there dating like yeah. i don't know how you're doing that right now unless you don't give a fuck and you're that person in which case you but i was like yeah remy's really picky and like super hot so like she well, doesn't thank you i mean I, this is universally acknowledged this is not me saying it all no, my that's very sweet. i know I, I also am working on it with my therapist i don't have the greatest track you. record with dudes so we are working we're working on it we're yeah. working on opening the heart chakra <laughs> And on that note, did you see the TikTok I sent you about the dude who was answering the Jeopardy question? And they were like, you know, what is 12 and 14 for, you know, boys and girls? And he was like, the age of consent. <gasps> did you see that? And then Whoa, some guy, oh, God, I and then that some guy go, oh, I, you, I just sent it like maybe oh. an hour ago. And some oh, guy, okay. like all of a sudden the music from um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Law and Order comes on and like, <laughs> some dude steps in and is like, oh, uh-huh, like writing the guy's name down. I was like, that's oh, right. Sh- Someone check Tom's browser history right now. <laughs> right fucking now. Yeah. And, and this is why I have a hard time trusting men. This is why. <laughs> no, I was like, you just outed yourself. Yeah. my dude like, yeah you need good. to fix that homie his wife's like you oh. need to you need to hire a lawyer my friend not <laughs> that it's gonna of like super inappropriate shit you want to talk about the menendez brothers yeah i do i want to hear every fucking last detail of this i'm not going to tell you every last detail because you'd never sleep again but i am going to tell you some really disturbing shit go for it Okay, so normally what I, I'm going to do this one a little more like I did, a little bit like I did um, OJ. I'm just going to tell you the the crime, uh, like how it, how everybody kind of, what we kind of thought went down, and then I'm going to get into details. So, okay. So August 20th, 1989, 
Jose and Kitty Menendez are watching a movie and they're dozing in the den of their Beverly Hills mansion when their two sons, Lyle and Eric, walk into the room with shotguns. They shoot their father in the back of the head, which, you know, wakes up their mother. And like any sane normal person, she tries to run away. She's shot in the leg, which stops her from running. And then she's shot many many more times in the arms, chest, and face, which leaves her unrecognizable. The boys run out of ammunition at that point. So they go to the truck, the trunk of their car, get more, come back and finish her off. But wasn't they, she already dead? No. She oh was crawling and trying to get away. <gasps> oh my God. Oh. So the boys initially, they just kind of, this is according to them. They they're just waiting um, because they did just fire shotguns in Beverly Hills. It's not subtle. Uh, so they think there's going to be this inevitable onslaught of police since they had loudly murdered their parents. Um, but that didn't happen. No one called the cops because it's Beverly Hills and everybody, lots of people heard it and were just like, oh, cars are backfiring repeatedly. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that literally. doesn't happen in, in our fucking neck of the woods. No, we're too white for that. Um, so they they leave the house. They establish an alibi and they return later that night and pretend to discover their dead parents. And they make a harrowing 911 call. You can hear it online if you want, wherein Lyle is screaming over and over. Someone murdered my parents and ordering his younger brother, Eric, not to touch anything. Initially, the police are very sympathetic towards the two newly orphaned young men, and they are not treated as suspects, which means that they are not for gun residue. Wait, wait, alibis. sorry. Wait, wait, wait. You disappeared for a second. Say that again. Oh, they are not tested for gun residue. Ah, did you get that? Yep. So usually most people um, at a crime scene, if you're the first to find a body, you will, your hands and most of your rest of your body will immediately test it for gun residue, but they didn't do that to these two. Okay. And they didn't even really check out their alibi, um, which is that they were at the movies watching Batman. Uh, the good one, by the way, 1989. Michael Keaton. Yeah. The best one. Uh, the best one. And then they went to the annual Taste of LA in Santa Monica. It wasn't checked out, though. As the months progressed, the police noticed that they are spending a whole lot of money, like a lot. So Lyle buys a Rolex, a Porsche Carrera. He spends $132 on a townhome, which is about $300,000 in today's money. And yes, I looked that up. <laughs> um, I was proud of myself. I was like, $132,000 for a townhome? What's that cost in today's cash? Um, he also purchased a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Wait, what? He bought a restaurant. He bought a Buffalo Wild Wings and something called a Chuck's Spring Street Cafe. So he buys a couple of casual restaurants. Investments, babe. That's weird. Yeah. That's um, weird. Eric's a little more on the down low. He hires a full-time tennis coach and he competes in a series of tennis competitions in Israel. But both of them are driving around LA in their dead mom's Mercedes Benz. They're eating out at expensive restaurants. They're taking vacays to London and the Caribbean, yada, yada. Uh, wow, that's so dumb. It looks, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think they were, I think they're like 19 and 22, 23 yeah, at they're this stupid. point. They're, they're stupid. They're amygdalas in charge, but it, it, it's not, it's, it's not subtle. Um, it's reported they spent somewhere in the neighborhood of 700,000 in the first Oh, no. Uh, well, yeah. In the time between the murders and their arrest, which is only about six months. Um, there are relatives, however, that dispute the idea that this this money spending is necessarily a motivating factor because <laughs> this kind of spending was normal in that family. Right. So there's right. that. Um, I don't I don't know if I buy that seven hundred thousand <laughs> a lot of money. But to be fair, a couple of those were like investment. I don't know. It, it, whatever. OK, so. So in the beginning of this investigation, cops look outside the family for possible suspects, particularly in Jose's life. He is a ruthless businessman, and both Lyle and Eric suggest that there could be a mob connection. 
which the rest of the family fully supports, but all of their, if you want to watch, there are a couple of, there's a lot of Dateline episodes on the Menendez brothers. And one of them in particular dives into this. Uh, it involves a porn connection. I didn't really get into it because it turns out that was a whole lot of nothing. So that's when they begin to focus their attention on the brothers who they feel are spending money like it's water and obviously have financial motives. Um, they get a friend of Eric's to wear a wire and question him about the murders, but he denies any culpability and they're kind of at a loss until... Mm. The very recent ex-girlfriend and ex-client of the brother's therapist, not the brother's, it's Eric's therapist. His wait, name is Dur- wait, 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 the girlfriend of the therapist? The ex-girlfriend oh. and ex-client, also one of his, one of the people who was seeing him. So he's a shady bitch. You could tell oh. that immediately. Okay, yeah. wait, so oh, wait, 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 let me just clarify. The therapist got a girlfriend because she was his client. So they, then this they started correct. dating and then they yes. broke up. So he's okay. fucking one of his clients. They got break it. up. His name is Jerome Ozeal. He call she calls the police and she reports that not only did Eric confess to Dr. Ozeal, the doctor has it on tape. Oh shit. This is pretty. And I remember this happening. So this is pretty incontrovertible evidence of guilt. And while they can use it to arrest the brothers, getting it okay to use in a court is different since there is patient client confidentiality, I don't really understand this because I'm pretty sure Ozil broke that confidentiality the minute he opened his mouth to his client girlfriend. No shit. Um, but, you know, bygones. Anyway, I, I, maybe the legality of it. I'm sure the, the legality of it is more, you know, confusing. So anywho, Lyle is arrested on March 8th, 1990, and Eric is arrested three days later when he turns himself in after he returns from a tennis trip in Israel. So there's some back and forth in the courts initially about whether or not these tapes can be used as evidence. And at first it's decided that they, ultimately it's decided they rest and they're like, okay, well, it can be used specifically because Lyle threatened to kill Dr. Ozeal if he ever made the confession public, which breaks the confidentiality clause. So this is what I remember this. This is kind of like, I'm giving you what the newspapers were giving people in the, you know, in 89 and 90. Um, I kind of remember these, these headlines coming out. It was a thing. So the brothers are formally indicted in December of 92. Okay. how do we get here? So let's start with Jose Menendez. So Jose is born on May 6, 1994. Nope, that's not right. Dead by then. 1944 in Havana, Cuba. Uh, He's a Taurus. And from the very beginning, he's a mama's boy. Only son, strong sense of machismo that is encouraged both culturally and in his family. His father's an accountant, uh, which now people say that they mean that they're a sex worker, but he was actually an accountant. Wait, what? Wait, what? You haven't heard that? Like people no. are like, what do you do? I'm an accountant. Where do you oh. work? A place where accountants work. And it actually means you have like an OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. I didn't know that. Because nobody, because if you tell someone you're an accountant, they're like, oh, I don't want to know anything else about what you do. That sounds really boring. So boring. Shut up. And that way you don't have to be like, I take pictures of my cooch and put it online and people pay me and I make more than you make in a year and a month. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm powerful I'm gonna, and amazing. So fuck yeah. off. Not going to lie. Every day I'm like closer and closer and, to selling feet pics. <laughs> yeah. The used panties. I think about it all the time. I'm like all the time. What's it to me? I don't care. No, if you get off on that shit. I don't give a fuck. Let's no. do it. Let's find a place. I actually, we'll talk about this later, but <laughs> I actually looked up a place once and they were like, yeah, you just have to send us a picture of you and your face. And I'm like, mm, that sounds like blackmail material. No, I'm I know you told, you told me that when we were right. to figure out how to make money. From <laughs> yeah and I like but when I went through it the list of things they were like will you pee in your panties will you do period blood in your panties and I'm like there's some weird fucking people out there the answer is yes <laughs> the answer is yes 
The answer is I sure will. Okay, so anyway, so uh, his father is an actual accountant and a professional soccer player. His mother is on the national swim team and an Olympian. So he comes from highly competitive stock. Um, There's an accusation from his side of the family that he was actually sexually molested by his mother who adored him, spoiled him, and lavished him with attention. That's not... That's not, hasn't been, you know, we don't know that concretely, but it, it is out there. One family member is quoted as saying that Jose was taught that he didn't need to listen to anyone because he was superior to everyone. Mm. He would often make rude remarks to the family and friends, to family and friends that his siblings found embarrassing, but he was rarely corrected or punished. He once set fire to his parents' country club in Havana during a Christmas party. And while his father was forced to pay for the damages, his mother refused to allow for any kind of correction or punishment for Jose. Wow. As a teenager, he's kicked out of two schools and he's kicked off his school's swim team basically for being a dick. So Castro takes power and Jose is this mouthy teen who loudly criticizes the new leader. So his family, fearful that he's going to be, say, he's going to be, you know, disciplined by Castro's regime, they flee Cuba and they settle in Pennsylvania when Jose is 16. He quickly acclimates to these new surroundings. He learns English and he dreams of attending an Ivy League school, but he can't afford it. So he ends up attending Southern Illinois University on an athletic scholarship. And this is where he meets Mary Louise Anderson, also known as Kitty, who he quickly woos despite neither family approving of the relationship. They elope in 1963 and move to New York where Jose gets his accounting degree from Queens College. Their son, Lyle, is born on January 10th, 1968, making him a cappy. And Jose told Jose tells Kitty Jose tells Kitty at this point that she needs to quit her teaching job in order to raise their family, which is a big old red flag in my book. Yeah. Um, but she does it, and the young family moves to New Jersey in 1969, where their second son Eric is born, November 27th, 1970, making him a Sag. So we have a Cap and a Sag sibling combo. Oh, what does that sound like? Mm, Wait, so that sound all- say that. Say that again. Wait a second. Say again when Eric's birthday is. Eric's birthday. He's Eric's the Sag. And yeah, he but was his birthday? Ni- November 27th. Oh, that's different than, than what I had. I have November 27th. Okay. I need to. Okay. <laughs> but luckily I didn't do his astrology. Like I didn't go. You don't. You, yeah. You don't really need to because the, well, the it's universally acknowledged. Oh, yes. No, I did know that. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Uh-huh. Keep going. Okay. But I was going to say the person who you really should focus on is Lyle. Yeah. That's whose chart I did. Yeah. So Jose quickly begins to establish himself as a brilliant and effective businessman. He works his way up the chain of command in the companies for which he works. In 73, he becomes the CEO of Hertz. And by 79, he is the company's worldwide manager. He quickly develops a reputation for abrasiveness and ruthlessness, which follow him throughout his career. After Hertz, he goes to work for RCA Records, and he's responsible for signing bands such as The Rhythmics, Duran Duran, and Menudo. Wow. He, I didn't so know he's that. good at his job. But he also makes some questionable ethical financial decisions, which is absolutely in line with his win at all cost mentality. And in 86, he moves his family to Calabasas, California, and things are going pretty well there until they aren't. So by this time, both Lyle and Eric are teenagers, and they are caught stealing from their neighbors' homes in 1988. And it's little things at first. And then apparently they rent a truck, back it up to these rich people's houses while they're not home. And they steal a bunch of shit. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. So Eric gets pulled over for a traffic violation and the cop, I'd be interested to hear how this goes down because most of the time it's like, hey, you ran a red light, here's your ticket. But the guy goes through his car, 
feels a little racist there because I'm going to say they don't look super white. Um, but anyway, so they're caught with stolen goods in the trunk of their car and their parents are absolutely furious, but they do what parents do. They hire a lawyer who works out a deal for them where in, instead of juvie or jail, and because Lyle is technically an adult at this time, Eric takes the fall because he's a minor and he's sentenced to therapy. Guess who with? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Dr. Jerome Ozeal. Got it. So like I said, keep that, keep that name in check. That shit's going to come up again. So Jose is irate and he walks the boys from door to door, makes them apologize. And he writes the people who were stolen from a check for the value of the goods that were stolen, which was supposedly somewhere in the neighborhood of over a hundred thousand dollars. No. Yes. Um, but to be fair, his parents basically paid for when he set fire to a, to a floor at a, at a country club in Havana. So I, this is probably what he, you know, we repeat patterns like there's totally. no real major correction, but he does fix it. So Lyle's at Princeton at this time, and he's he's kind of just a playboy. He's got a, a fairly devil may care attitude. He's getting with the girls. His grades are not great, but he's very much like his father. Um, poor grades, serious spending habit. Eric is supposed to be heading off to UCLA in the fall. And though he doesn't have that cold blooded streak that his brother seems to have inherited from his father, obviously we're in, we're in some kind of crisis here. So I would just like to pause and, uh, reflect on the fact that the cold-blooded one is the cap and the sweet one is the Sag. Oh, and that is absolutely <laughs> in line. Like when I, when I was going through this and I was like, if we were to kill our parents, this is how it would go down. Including yeah, the I fact would... that you'd fucking get us caught by going to your fucking therapist. <laughs> Like the, the sad fact of the matter is that they probably would have gotten away with this. Yes. hundred percent. If the Sag hadn't opened had, had, his big old fat mouth. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, we would, we would not make a good, um, murdered murderer duo. No, honestly, if like, we already know this, if Remy was like, someone needs to die, I'd be like, you need to leave and I'm going to take care of it. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go cry in the car. Yeah. And I'd be like, <laughs> uh-huh. And you don't see anything and I don't, I'm not telling you anything. And if anybody asks, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So this is, this is like the pretty first significant outward sign that all is not right in this family. The land of Oz is troubled, but not actually. So there have been signs, small and large that have popped up here and there throughout the years for a really long time. A babysitter came to Kitty once and said, the boys have been talking about being inappropriately touched by their father. And she's immediately dismissed friends claim oh, to have heard. She got fired. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Friends claim to have heard Jose mercilessly beating his children in the house while they're there. Other friends say that it's common knowledge in the house that when Jose was alone with either of the boys, but especially Lyle, no one, including Kitty, is allowed to disturb them. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. A close friend of Kitty's reveals that when one of the family dogs who was bought as an intended protection animal and was consequently pretty aggressive. When this dog was assumed to have killed Jose's pet ferret, he killed the animal and put the dog's decapitated head in the refrigerator where his children found it. The fuck? Wait, hold on. Hit first of all, what the fuck? Second of all, pet ferret? Yeah. What? Yeah. He had a thing for ferrets, I guess. This well, is correct. This is uh, this person's obviously insane. <laughs> you have a pet ferret. I but mean, also honestly, they're kind of cute. Um, they're, they're, I don't think they are. I think in reality, they're like mean little creatures. I, I mean, I think 
um, if you have them tamed and like housebroken. I mean, I technically guess. all cats were once bobcats and shit. And then we were like, oh, you're adorable and brought it in the house and made it nice. But I think the bigger issue is that he cut the, a dog's the, head the off. Dog head. <laughs> This like, is correct. I'm not sure you're focusing you're not on the wrong. Right thing. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, so Jose has been described by his sisters and coworkers as a sadist who enjoys hurting or embarrassing people, and he found joy in making them feel inferior. Totally. There's an allegation that he once told people that his wife had cancer because he enjoyed watching their reactions. Okay, so he's just a psychopath. It gets worse. So Sherry Woods, a well-known madam who provided, this is all allegedly, by the way, like Jose's not here to defend himself. I'll give him that. But these are things that people have said, and it's printed on the internet. So a well-known madam named Sherry Woods, who provided escorts to the you know Hollywood uppy-ups, told the New York Post that Jose Menendez physically assaulted the escorts that he ordered from her service. And she claimed that he would beat them up and pretend to rape them and that they would return crying and terrified. Uh, that actually is rape, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not pretend rape. That's a rape. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've paid for sex, you know, sex is happening, but that doesn't mean that any point in time, if the woman is scared, she can't be like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, I mean, it does, yeah. There's, there's yeah. paying for sex and then there's raping someone. And then if there's not, raping someone. If yeah. it's not consensual, if it's not like we agreed to this and I'm okay with it, then it is a rape. I don't, th- so I, I have heard that there are situations where men or women are like, I have a rape fantasy and I want to live that out. But I feel like that has to be agreed upon beforehand. So it's consensual. And I, and I don't know what happened here, but I get the vibe totally. from here since they returned crying and terrified. That's that my point. Was not agreed upon. Yeah. If, if he's beating them and they're coming back crying, that's yeah. not consensual. That's you have to remember rape. though, this is the eighties when it was like women, why do we care? Ew. I mean, it's <laughs> not that we're kidding? hugely it's, different now, but like, yeah, still you like know, we've had me too. And at least we're like pretending to be like, right, we should respect women. But back in the day, it was like, have some Coke. You'll be fine. Yeah. So um, she also claims that Jose asked for girls under the age of 13. <gasps> she did oh not my. provide. Holy shit. So Kitty, on the other hand, is basically described as a sweet and kind person. But the general consensus is that she's in way overhead with this dude, that he controlled her. And, you know, if these allegations are true, it's entirely possible. That's why he chose her, because he wanted someone who would be easily cowed by his personality and 100% demands. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, so she was required basically to meet his demands, no matter the cost to do what he said. And his demands were kind of a lot. So she'd given up her career to raise the kids. She was a teacher and he was like, nope, no more of that. She'd given up her autonomy as a parent to, uh, follow her husband's demands. Um, and she kind of felt she'd been stripped of her dignity when she discovered that her husband had been carrying on an affair with a woman in New York for eight years during their marriage. Lord, her therapist affirmed that she'd been suicidal in the weeks before her death. She was considering considering it mostly as a way to punish her husband without much consideration for the kids. Uh, so this is kind of what's happening prior to this event. So it, it makes more sense that the kids are acting out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you believe what all of these people are saying, it's not one person. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, if you believe what's going on here, you know, I remember when I watched one of these specials, someone was like, one kid killing their parents is a bad seed. Two kids killing their parents is a bad family. So, okay. So the brothers are preparing uh, a defense for trial, which is in the, in the first trial, there were two. The first trial is, is being presented as a singular event. So they were being tried together. Well, no, they're being tried separately and like as in together, but they both have their own attorney. Um, Lyle is being represented by Leslie Abramson. Do you remember any of that? The frizzy hair? 
the no. she's very flipping people off when they got pissed her off on like she was she's a mouthpiece yeah. she's a lot you would love her eric is being defended by jill lansing a very well-known and respected attorney she didn't have leslie abramson's energy but both of these i think it's interesting to note that both of these boys chose women i know so both of these women have pretty intense mom energy, which, you know, I just think makes sense in the context of their life. Not, not people who are trusting dudes right now. Um, so the Prasha, the Prasha prosecutions theory is pretty straightforward. They believe that the brothers are evil sociopathic men who knew they were about to be disinherited due to their delinquency. And when it comes to Lyle, his disappointing academic performance at Princeton. And consequently, uh, the theory that they posit is that Lyle and Eric plotted to murder their parents in order to inherit their $14 million estate. Not, not small. Uh, They have some pretty solid evidence. A friend of Kitty's testifies that Kitty had told her she was going to disinherit her sons within earshot of Lyle. It's common knowledge that both parents are very upset with the brothers over the recent robbery charges, um, and that there's there's evidence that within a day or two of Jose and Kitty's death, Lyle had aggressively sought out his parents' will in order to ascertain his financial windfall. And of course, there's that massive spending spree in the months following his parents' deaths. They did not, the prosecution that is, unfortunately for them, have the confession tapes initially, as the Supreme Court had decided they were not usable in trial on their face. But that really almost seemed moot, given that they were both admitting to the act. So at first it was like, you know, we don't really need this. They're not saying they didn't do it. So the defense adopted a really interesting and rarely used argument known as an imperfect self-defense. So the basic gist is that they were afraid for their lives and reacted to that in a way uh, that meant they needed to defend themselves. Usually this defense, like a self-defense, requires imminent harm, as in someone's like about to kill you. And there's not a lot of wiggle room in that, or at least there wasn't in California in 89. Shit's different now. Now it's like, you know, is there a black teen in a hoodie on my lawn? Shoot him. Uh, I will stand my ground, America. Nobody blinks. But at that time, self-defense was pretty well limited to there's someone coming at me with a deadly weapon. Um, And we know that that didn't happen in this case because both Jose and Kitty were shot while seated on their couch in their den, you know, watching a movie. That aside, uh, how, how are the Okay, wait, wait, wait. That aside, how are the boys going to justify feeling in any kind of imminent danger given that information I just gave you about Jose was not common knowledge? They didn't realize yet. They were like, okay, they're claiming self-defense. How are they going what, to do that? Defense against what? Is that defense what Basically, the prosecution was like, what do you mean? Like, what are you claiming self-defense? Right. So, but the prosecution has a, you know, they were kind of like when the, in the, in the like four datelines I watched about this, the the prosecutors, the initial ones were like, yeah, we kind of knew that it was going to be some kind of abuse because what else did they have? Right. So let me tell you about that. So Leslie Abramson announces that the boys were being physically and sexually abused by their father and that their mother knew about it. And she puts family members and friends on the stand who testify to some of the troubling behaviors I told you about before, including one friend who said that Jose Menendez once put on for viewing a video cassette showing children being sexually exploited by adults at a holiday party at his house. (gasps) Yeah. Whoa, this is so, he's like, I mean, this is so far over the fucking edge. Well, then she puts the brothers on the stand. And this is the first trial. In the first trial, they both testify. So Lyle testifies that he had been repeatedly raped orally and anally since the age of six, that he had been physically beaten, and that he had been psychologically abused and controlled. He also admitted that he had visited that same kind of abuse on his younger brother, Eric, when they were children. Mm. Eric gets on the stand, and he says that he had also been abused and that it had affected his life deeply. 
I'm going to go ahead and say here that most people acknowledge that Eric is the more sensitive and emotional of the two. So he's, he's crying a lot. Um, Jose had really molded Lyle in his own image and he wasn't one who was prone to emotional outbursts, which is why if you watch, you can watch this testimony, court TV. This was the first trial that court TV really got in on. And it's really powerful to watch Lyle's testimony because this, I mean, from soup to nuts, this whole investigation and case was covered on television and, you didn't see a lot of that in Lyle. Um, but when you watch, I mean, I, I have a hard time imagining anyone watching their testimony and not believing them. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one part I remember watching where he was describing how his father um, forced him, like basically like orally raped him and then forced him to swallow his ejaculation. <gasps> oh, Jesus. And Fuck. he told his dad he was like crying he's like i don't want to do this anymore this hurts me and his dad told him and he was at the and leslie Everson was like what did your dad say and this was the part i was like this is how you know it's true he's like my dad said that he didn't want to hurt me and that he loved me mm. and i was like yeah yep. yeah that's, that sounds right um so anyway totally. so eric eric's testimony eric testifies that on the day of the shooting he's crying in his room and his brother comes in. He's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And Eric finally tells him that their father had been molesting him for most of his life and he was continuing to do so. And Lyle gets really mad. And you get the impression from the testimony that he had assumed that because his father had been abusing him, he felt that Eric would be left alone. The boys did mm. not know that this had been happening to both of them. I feel like this is this is so easy for me to believe because this is how our dynamic is not that we were sexually abused or anything yeah. but you I think were always very protective and thought yeah. that like you could kind of handle things and I would have it easy <laughs> yeah eight-year-old Q is just like I got this <laughs> um <laughs> hilarious 42-year-old Q is like I do not have this <laughs> um so Lyle testifies that he confronts his father. He tells him that he's going to tell everyone what he'd been doing. And there was nothing that Jose could do about it. And Lyle said that his father responded, everyone makes choices in life. Your brother made his, and now you've made yours. And Lyle took that as a threat. So Kitty approaches Eric and she demands to know why he's crying. And Lyle says, he told her why, to which she responded, I know I've always known. Do you think I'm stupid? And when Lyle asks her if she's going to let her husband get away with this, she tells Lyle that he'd ruin their family. He that Lyle would ruin yes. their family. It, Lyle it, had ruined their family. Oh, he had already by bringing Basically, up, yeah. he had already ruined by exposing the family. this. You know his behavior. Yes, these ruined uh -huh. their family. Okay, so yeah, mm -hmm. this is this is by the way, this is the boys' version of events, the brothers' version of events. So when his parents go into the den, they close themselves in there. The brothers, they claim that they fear they're about to be killed. So they leave the house, and when they return, they take two shotguns out of the trunk of their car that Lyle had purchased at a gun store using an old roommate's stolen ID. They go inside the house. They shoot their father five times. Their mother tries to run and they shoot her, but the shots don't kill her. So she gets up and she tries to flee again. She's like trying to crawl away, very much slowed down by her injuries. And the brothers who are out of ammunition run back to the car, reload with birdshot and return to finish her off. What is birdshot? Um, from what I under, I don't, I think it's like smaller pellets. Okay. So it's not as powerful as like a, I'm not a hunter, but I, that's what I think I, I, I believe that like, if you were to shoot from far away, mostly like if you shoot from far away, birdshot kind of expands. So it gets into like, you have a better chance of hitting it close up. I don't think it would make a huge difference. And it okay. was definitely close up. Okay. Um, 
they then shoot both of their parents in the knees to make it look like a mob hit. And then according to them, they wait around for a bit because they just think they're going to be caught. Um, but when that doesn't happen, self-preservation kicks in and they leave the house. They get rid of their bloody clothes at a gas station. They throw the ammunition shells into Mulholland Drive. Like, well, they go on Mulholland Drive, they throw it into the canyons there. And they buy movie tickets to fake an alibi, which turned out to be unnecessary since no one asked the rich kids for their alibi. <laughs> um, so the truth is that they might have gotten away with this all except for Dr. Oziel. So Eric has been in court-ordered therapy, as we know, as part of the deal he got for the robbery. And... One day he shows up and confesses to his therapist that he and Lyle killed his parents. Dr. Ozeal says he needs to call Lyle and tell him he needs to come in. And, Lyle, and you know Eric does. And Lyle comes in, supposedly screaming, why did you tell him? Now we have to kill him. To which Eric supposedly responds, I can't kill anymore. And he leaves. This very much sounds like us. Yep. <laughs> I'll be this like, is... yes, you can. <laughs> Put those bootstraps on, bitch. We're getting this done. So Dr. Ozeal, like Lyle, so Lyle's chasing his brother out. Dr. Ozeal goes after Lyle and asks Lyle if he's in danger, to which Lyle apparently says, all I can say is have a good life, doctor. The doctor asks both brothers to come back, and they do because they're afraid he'll go to the cops. And he records this session. No. It, yeah. Sorry. I don't know uh, why. I really am on their team, but uh, well, to be honest. To be fair, so is all of Gen Z. Um, it's, it's actually uh, the Menendez brothers thing is making a huge comeback. That's why there's like a new episode. There was an episode on this year about this because they're still in prison. They're yeah. married, by the way. Lyle's been married, I think, 14 years. Eric's been married 18 years, something like that. What? You could reverse those two, but they've both been married well over a decade. Yeah. So it's then that they give a full confession, but, and this is significant, they don't bring up the abuse. Fuck. Um, there are a bunch of possible reasons for this, including the highly likely factor that admitting you were engaging in a long-term incestuous rape situation with your father is highly traumatic, yeah. you know, and not something you want to talk about. Uh, probably even worse in 89, 90. Um, but the prosecution maintains this is actually because none of those accusations are true and they really zero in on that. So the prosecution is not having any of this. They don't believe any on it. They focus on the amount of money that the brothers spent after the deaths and how very brutal the deaths were. They poke a lot of holes in the defense arguments, but when it goes to jury, this is trial one, it hits a stalemate. We know now that it was pretty divided cleanly between men and women. The I was going to say, the brothers. totally. Yeah. And the men did not. And according to one female jury member, she was like, the men had a really hard time holding in all their emotions. They were very emotional, screaming, punching walls. Um, but wow. Yeah, why men? Why you got to get so emotional? That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, and it, it's a hung jury. It, it, the first one's a hung jury. So, okay. And this is where shit gets kind of fucked. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like it wasn't fucked before. But so the second trial is a couple of years later and some shit has changed. Um, so maybe not, maybe not, maybe just one, but okay. Since that time we've had OJ and eight days before the Menendez brothers second trial, which will be held jointly this time, OJ is found not guilty. Oh, so the DA's office is bruised and battered and they are determined not to lose the second high profile case. So they go out of their way to stack the decks a little. And the judge is pretty obliging. So first off, no television reporting in the courtroom. He was like, nope, fuck that. No cameras in here to record what I'm about to do to you guys. Most of the evidence related to the abuse the boys have allegedly suffered was scaled back. This is partly because there is an accusation, never proved, but an accusation that apparently the judge believed that Lyle had asked family members to lie for him. Hmm. Um, there, 
the family is pretty cleanly divided between those who believe the boys and those who don't. The ones who believe the boys say, no, we were never asked to lie. The ones who don't say they were asked to lie, which doesn't make a lot of sense because I mm. don't know why Lyle would be like, hey, I know you don't believe me. Would you be willing to go on the stand and um, talk about all this abuse that you maintain isn't true? But anyway, it yeah. doesn't make sense. But because that allegation is out there, Lyle can't get on the stand. And if Lyle doesn't get on the stand, then a lot of those rape allegations like they can't, you can't talk about it because Lyle has to put the foundation down in order for it to be discussed. So any of the other, you stop. What is Clover like, doing? Eating. He loves paper and he's like, oh, you're not using this. So now he's eating. Clover, <laughs> we're recording Clover, a podcast. Not a Clover. Clover. Um, so, okay. So, uh, so they lose that and that's a big deal. So Eric is now carrying all of it and he can't, you know, he can't, he can't testify to what Lyle went through, which is, I don't know about worse, but definitely went on longer and was definitely pretty extreme. It was well known that his, Jose was pretty well obsessed with his firstborn son. So the psychiatrist that testified to their state of mind and the effects of abuse was not allowed to testify. Oh which my is God. Gutting them. And because the brothers had used their mental state as the underpinnings of their defense, they now allowed the confession tape in without the <gasps> context of abuse. Oh and my finally, God. the judge refuses to allow the imperfect defense because of a new decision that came out of the Supreme Court that apparently made made it possible for the court to require the incident not to be intimated by the defendant. So what does that mean? Intimated, not intimated, initiated. Oh. Sometimes my computer's like, I know what you're trying to say, and it doesn't. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so so the Supreme, there's some kind of decision came out of the Supreme Court that made it possible for the judge to go, you know what? Uh, in order for you to do the imperfect self-defense, um, the, the violence has to be initiated not by the people, you know, by the people that were killed and not by the defendants. Does the, that make sense? Well, but it sounds like it was. It was no, initiated the, by by Jose. The immediate, like, but this is oh, oh, in the moment. In the moment. See, that's insane because if you have been abused and traumatized yep. for years and years and you come to a moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore. Like mm -hmm. that is still, this is also bad. why there are a lot of women in jail for killing their husbands. Exactly. A lot of women in jail for killing their husbands because, you know, they were like, well, was he about to kill you right then? I know that he had threatened to kill you before and that he'd strangle you, that he'd stabbed you and that he put in the yard like 10 times. But did he have a gun on you in that moment? Because if that, he didn't jail straight that, to jail, see, that's fucking insane. It's patriarchy at work. Yeah. So anyway, this, they gutted their defense. And so Lyle and Eric are found guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances on March 20th, 1996. There has been a lot of discussion about how like distasteful at best it was for the court to stack the deck the way they did. Um, there's a lot of discussion about like, okay, but why was like all this evidence that you allowed in and all the decisions that you made two years before, like then you lost OJ and then all of a sudden you're like, nope, never mind, Because it was the same judge and everything. Right. It was the exact same judge. Totally. So they're like, this feels shady as fuck, yeah. but not shady enough to change anything about it because the convictions have not been thrown out and they have not received a new trial and they're both still in prison. Wow. And that is the story of how, uh, if you believe them, the patriarchy sucks a dick. Well, that is one among many, my friend. Yeah. Many yeah. stories about the patriarchy sucking. Okay. Well, so- Shall we consult the cosmos? Tell me, I have been waiting all week to hear about Jose's chart because I was like, this fucking dude. Okay, I'm gonna try, if I'm going too fast, 
or if some, cause the, let me tell you these, we did, I did Jose and I did Lyle. If, if it gets confusing, will you please tell me? And I'll also try to slow down because their charts are so complex. Um, and I'm going to do my best. So are you ready? I guess. Okay. Let's but do this. I need you on my team. I need you to tell me if it gets confusing. Okay. I will let you know. So let's start with Jose. Um, Jose, like you mentioned, was born in Havana, Cuba and is a Taurus, but we don't have a birth time. So we don't have an ascendant or houses. The first ascendant thing you- devil houses, <laughs> hell. <laughs> the first thing you should know about this man is that he has Jupiter in Leo square to his son in Taurus. So this is like, won't you take me to cocky town? <laughs> son in Taurus, especially for people in business are often people who feed their egos through wealth and luxury. They also tend to be very stubborn and unrelenting, ruthless, as you said. I don't especially- relate to that as a tourist rising. No, <laughs> you I don't compromise you- a lot. Have no, yeah, you're the best with compromise. <laughs> so good at it. So, so good. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when their son is square to Jupiter and Leo. Leo of all fucking signs. Okay, to review, Jupiter wants to make things bigger. And when you have a square, you're talking about bigger to the point of excess. Like, like has a dude ever given you a hand job and just rubbed the ever-loving shit out of your clit till you basically had rug burn on your genitals? No, I will not allow that. I'm never like, don't touch me anymore. To do sex. You're bad again. at this. I've done that to boys. Maybe You're bad at this. Stop. <laughs> right. So it's like, we love an effort, but sometimes you're just doing too fucking much, right? Like that's a square to Jupiter. Interesting. And then on top of it, Jupiter's in Leo, which is like, just egomaniac central when it's in its shadow, which is, you know, it probably is when you have a square like that. You hear that, Michael? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's just me yelling at my husband. So I just want to tee you real quick and explain something generally about astrology. And that is that a chart works the way the human body works, by which I mean in the human body, everything is interconnected. So like if your kidneys are struggling, that affects your liver and then your skin gets a rash or, fi- you know, whatever. I'm not a doctor, so I don't fucking know, but you get it. A chart works the same way. It's not just like, oh, I have Jupiter over here and Leo and then this over here and that's over here and they're all doing their own individual thing. No, they're in a conversation. So even if you have a really nice aspect, let's say like moon, sextal, Neptune or something, if that moon is square to Pluto, now it's impacting that sextal with its boo-ass energy. So you can't just look at individual aspects. You have to look at how the aspects are in conversation with each other. That makes sense. Like that they don't exist in a vacuum. Exactly. And yeah. I wanted to say that because Jose has something called, some places refer to it as a trapeze, others an anvil. I've also seen it called a trine-based trapezium. So it has several monikers, but it's basically created by four points in the chart. And what it looks like is when you lace up a corset and it zigzags back and forth. Yeah. Okay. That's what this looks like in the chart. In terms of the aspects, a trapeze has a trine at the top connecting the first two planets, which for Jose are Venus and Chiron. And then each of those planets reaches across in opposite directions to square another planet, which in this case are these planets are Uranus and Pluto. And then those two planets sextile each other at the bottom. And essentially, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and essentially what's happening is that all of these planets plus Chiron, which isn't a planet, are in a massive conversation with each other, zigzagging information back and forth in a continuum because there's no break in this configuration, right? It's basically an eight that's created by two triangle shapes, one big triangle, one little. And here's the thing, and I'll explain this in a sec. Lyle and Eric are foundational to this issue because their signs create the base. And from there, the issue centers these two squares and baby, let me tell you, these squares are fucked. So let's start with the trine that kicks this whole fun journey off. We've got Venus in Taurus, trine Chiron in Virgo. So yeah, if you're not looking at the whole picture and you just see Venus trine Chiron, you'd be like, oh, that's cute. So much healing in relationships. No, first of all, this is already a flag because Chiron, as we talk about all the time, represents the wounded healer in astrology. So if we're not dealing with a person who's in therapy and actively working on healing wounds, then we're just talking about a big old gaping ass wound influencing your relationships. We're talking about a dude who cuts off dog's heads when they get, when he gets mad at them. Yeah. Homie is not in therapy. (laughs) He's not not working it out. So, Mm -hmm. so a big unhealed wound that's underdeveloped Chiron, just reaching out and giving Venus planet of love affection, wealth, relationships, a fucking squeezerusa. By the way, I'll also say Chiron in Virgo is a wound around perfectionism. Oh, he has Chiron in Virgo. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when it's touching Venus like that, because Venus oversees wealth and we're in Taurus, the sign that rules the second house, which is the house of wealth and valuables and income. We're talking about someone who's like, oh, I'm experiencing my own sense of, um, I'm not perfect. Some there I'm inadequate in some way. I'm not good enough in some way. And we, you know, who knows exactly what, maybe that's going back to the, um, issues with his mom around sexual abuse or whatever it is, or maybe he felt not seen by his dad, who knows? Um, so I'm gonna, so I have this wound around being um, a perfectionist and not feeling perfect. So I'm going to try to fix that with money. And that's how Duder is writing into cocky town, which by the way, is one of the fastest and easiest ways to get to the buzzing metropolis that is cocky town with a big fat insecurity, you know, like those unhealed insecurities that we have just zoom you right into cocky town, like a fucking Japanese bullet train. Okay. So let's go back to his trapeze. There's another very important piece to this trine that I alluded to before. We have Venus in Taurus. Taurus is Lyle's rising, okay? And it's connecting to Chiron in Virgo. And that's Eric's rising is Virgo. So that is laying the base of this trapeze. And therefore, in my mind, it's establishing that Lyle and Eric are foundational to this issue. Oh, okay. Then Venus reaches out with a square to Pluto. Chiron goes the exact other way and reaches out with a square to Uranus. That's the crisscross. So let's look at those squares. Venus, which controls relationships, affection, and wealth. In Taurus, in hard aspect, that's the square, that's a hard aspect, is going to pull on the negative traits of Taurus. So that means it's going to be possessive, jealous, gluttonous, and materialistic. And also Taurus- Taurus slander, uh, rude. <laughs> Rude, inappropriate. Taurus later, for sure, baby. <laughs> also, Taurus is one of the more um, sensual 
signs. So amazing. Right. When it's, when it's in, it's, when it's not in the shadow, it's like, you know, it's sensual in a very positive way. When it's in the shadow, now we're talking about um, physical abuse, right? The sense I was going to say that's raping people. Yes. Thank you. So Pluto, and then we have Pluto. Okay. Pluto controls power, wealth, shadow emotions, like jealousy and rage, abuse and abusive sexuality and death. And it's in Leo, which by the way, Pluto in Leo is generational. Pluto, wherever it is, is generational because it's such a slow moving planet. So it stays in every sign for like 20 years, sometimes more. So in other words, it's basically the distinguishing factor, or at least one of them, of the boomer generation. So what are some of the shadow traits of Pluto and Leo? For one thing, these are people who learn to blindly trust and accept authority figures or learned that authority figures should receive blind trust, right? And Mm -hmm. obedience. Leo is a sign of leadership. So that's how this happens. But with this combo, they were also, as a generation, intolerant of weakness. That's part of this Pluto being controlling, Leo being leaders and like not about weakness. So those are a couple shadow aspects. So let's apply that to his chart with the square between Pluto and Venus. Because of this Venus-Pluto square with Pluto and Leo, You have someone who wields power over the people closest to him, is abusive in his relationships, probably jealous, but definitely someone who channels his rage into his relationships and is also someone who probably uses money to maintain control in relationships. No, that's yes, that's a definite. This is someone who expects people to cower to and obey his authority and someone who will be intolerant of weakness to the point of abuse. Pluto rule sexuality, especially taboo sexuality, as in abuse and rape. So you have this entitlement around sexuality and sexual abuse. Like I'm the leader, I'm the head of this household. If I want to abuse you, if I want to molest you or rape you, that's my right because you're just a weak little kid. So there's that square of doom. Then we have the other one. We have Chiron square to Uranus. Uranus is the planet of shocks, of unpredictable events, of knee-jerk reactions, So we have this wound that I talked about before around not feeling good enough, feeling imperfect. That's Chiron and Virgo. They can super easily get triggered by unpredictable, quick to react Uranus who's fucking with it with this gnarly square. That's the second square of doom. Then at the bottom, we have Pluto sextal Uranus. And this is the base of the trapeze, which again, if you looked at Pluto sextal Uranus, you'd be like, oh, this is someone whose brilliant ideas make them famous or powerful or something. Wrong, bitch. I mean, maybe that's part of this cosmic DNA too. But in the context of this trapeze, this sextal is part of some not at all chill astrology, like nary a chill. So not a chill to be had. And uh, yeah, (laughs) where is the chill? Can't find it. So actually this sextal is doubling down on everything I just said because Pluto carries all our shadow energy. So now you have this seething rage, jealousy, sexual abuse, need for control all those Pluto death vibes getting easily triggered by wild ass Uranus just going off for no reason, which is what Uranus does. Another thing I see with this Pluto Uranus sextal, Uranus is also the planet of innovation. It comes up with wild ideas that are super outside the box. And Pluto is one of the main planets that indicates abuse. So when they're talking to each other like this, 
in this sex doll, now you have these methods of abuse that are so weird and outside the box. And for lack of a better word, like creative, like this combo is kind of like the sick fuck combo. Like you drive mm. up to the drive through window at the old shit star cafe and order the sick fuck combo. And they hand you a cold dog head straight from the fridge. And you're like, yep, that's Pluto. Yeah, I'd like the tree where I put um, child porn on my TV during a holiday party. Thank you. One of those. And do you see how this is like, I'm in control. I do whatever I want. And then this and, and sexuality and this like abuse. And it's so far outside the fucking box. That's Uranus. Mm. Okay. It's a bad combo. Yeah. It's like the happy meal from hell. Yes. Thank you. And even another aspect of this is that Pluto oversees death, right? And Uranus oversees shocks. So now you have a shocking death. And I think it's pretty clear how that manifested in his life. And again, remember that when we started this trapeze, Lyle and Eric signs were forming the base. So mm. Lyle and Eric at the top, unhealed insecurities and abuse in the middle, shocking death at the bottom. But that's not all. Of course Remember it's not. how I was talking about how you have to look at how all these planets connect? Yes. Well, guess what? Venus, who kicks off this trapeze business, is opposing the moon. So Venus, who's being traumatized by this square to abusive-ass Pluto, is now in opposition to Jose's emotions and emotional landscape, which is sort of a no-shit statement. But basically, <laughs> what this says at a very fundamental level is that the functions of Venus, like Venus wants love, relationships, likes, uh, feels, um, it's like, a, I want you to feel valued. I want me to feel valued. That's like, you know, Venus stuff. All of that is at cross-purposes with the function of the moon, which is emotions. And then as if the cosmos could make it any fucking clearer, his moon is then square to Mars in moody, possessive ass cancer. Mars, as we know, in hard aspects. Yes. Uh, yes. It, like when you have a square or any other hard aspect, it kind of ignites all of Mars shadow shit, which is, you know, Mars is this war loving, violent, quick temper planet when it's not in a, in a good fucking place. That's why it's named after Mars, the Mars. war. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So say that one more time, the bit about the cancer thing. Okay. Mars is in cancer. Okay. First of all, I just have to process that because yikes. It's, all right. It's wild because Mars, um, when Mars is in a shadow aspect, like it can look like I'm throwing a temper, right? Or, you know, like I punched a wall, but when it's in cancer, which cancer can be very manipulative, it's a water sign, right? So in its shadow, it's possessive, it's manipulative. And so you have this seething rage that looks a lot like Mars in Scorpio might, right? It's like, um, it's this sort of, it's sick. It's not so overt the way that um, a Mars placement in another sign would look a difficult like aspect. an Aries or something right. I feel yeah like or even really in your face about it right this is right this is not in your it's exactly what you were talking about when you were talking about the testimony that Lyle gave about um being, I love you I don't yes. want to hurt you yes yeah. after after I just forced you into fellatio and you're a fucking child like yeah. that is what we're talking about it's a different kind of Mars okay so, um, 
where was I? So you have this violence and rage butting up against his emotions in cancer, uh, it butting up, up against his emotions, which is the moon. And then the moon is opposite Venus, which is his relationships. And then the Venus and then Venus starts the trapeze. So do you see how these are all like, yeah talking to each other, even though yeah, these yeah. other, even though the moon and Mars aren't part of the trapeze, they're affecting it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So that is no way Jose Menendez. <sighs> exactly the sort of dude I'd have been like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Right. At one point you were like, into that. Oh yeah. 19 year old Q. Oh yeah. If I just loved you enough you would You'd change you yeah. would change yeah and i could fix you yeah mm -hmm. well all of my cardinal signs are like i got this <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah baby i okay. can do this this is fine well my taurus going um <laughs> <laughs> hey can we talk <laughs> well also your aries being like i don't put up with shit yeah that's true actually my capricorn also being like no fuck this dude uh, no there's no but like the toxic part of me being like mm. yeah i could take this on i could handle this <laughs> Okay, let's look at Lyle because Lyle's chart is fucking wild because he has something similar to the trapeze in Jose's chart. So I'm going to start with the outside elements and kind of work my way into this massive tangle of starshes that he has, this configuration that he has. First off, we have a birth time here. So we have the ascendant and the houses. Lyle is a cap with a Taurus rising. He, is he really? Uh-huh. Sound like anyone you know, Q? That's a little bit like someone I know. Uh -huh. That's might have been why I was like, no, I understand everything he did. <laughs> yeah. No, this seems appropriate. No, I got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. So he has Leo in the fourth house, which is the house of family and childhood, which tells me that Pluto in Leo uh, that his dad had was a very big part of his family life growing up, looking at that, those Leo connections between the two charts. Yeah. Leo is about leadership and in its shadow is- Womanizer, womanizer, they both were. <laughs> yeah, it's about narcissism. Yeah. So having that in the fourth house of home tells me that narcissism and the twisted nature that Pluto and Leo can bring into play was fundamental to Lyle's childhood. So that's the first thing. Then he has Mars in Pisces, and it's opposing Jupiter oh, in Virgo. Yes. It's a very interesting place. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Mars and Pisces opposing Jupiter and Virgo. Now, but most serial killers are Pisces, right? Isn't that it's Pisces and Virgos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, well, I, th I think it's Virgos first. Virgos first. Pi Pisces aren't far behind. Yeah. Do you know what amazes me about that though? I am amazed that Virgos get caught. Well, part of, yes, because they're so meticulous. Because they're so fucking meticulous and smart. Yeah. But here's the thing about um, serial killers is that they are, because they're narcissists, they don't realize, they think they're smarter than everyone else, but turns out other people are fucking smart too. You know? And especially if you've got Virgo on top of having serial killer tendencies, like you just must assume. You think that you're the smartest person in the, the whole smartest person world. in the world. Yeah. And you're not, you know, like- you're Do you not. know who's at the bottom for like, oh, Capricorns are not serial killers at all. It's like the bottom three. And I'm like, I bet we just don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I bet we just don't get caught. I think that's, but you know, um, 
Yeah. But maybe I, not serial killers. I can't see a Capricorn being a serial killer. I can be a cat. I could see a Capricorn being a one-off. Yeah. A one-off. You know? Yeah. But be, don't get caught. And just being right. And just being like, this person sucks. This person is <laughs> convenient. This person's right. not going to do. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. You won't do. You just simply won't do. This isn't going to work out for you or me, but mostly you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What Capricorn does is hire a Virgo to uh-huh. fucking handle it. And then the Virgo gets caught. Right. And they're like, sorry, I used a burner phone. Sucks for yeah. you, but not for me. Exactly. Okay. So Mars and Pisces opposing Jupiter and Virgo under normal circumstances. This is a, this could be a pretty tight aspect. Like Mars on a good day is about bravery. So it can give you lots of courage and energy and enthusiasm, but it also can knock your dick in the dirt because mm. it, it makes you overconfident. It can make you think that you are totally capable of taking on things that you can't take on. Like, for example, getting away with murdering your parents or just like being like, fuck it, let's just do this. Again, he probably would have if his fucking sad brother hadn't have been like, man, my tears. Okay. Sorry, Eric. It's not your fault. It was it was a bad situation. (laughs) This is exactly my point. So so pause on that for a second. Okay. That Mars is reaching out and touching Neptune in Scorpio in the seventh house, which is the house of partnerships. Ooh, partnerships. As in, let's do this together. (laughs) Neptune in Scorpio folks are not afraid to go to the dark side and can lose themselves to the dark side. So let's synthesize this. We're in the seventh house. We have a partnership, like, I don't know, maybe a partner in crime that isn't afraid to go to the dark side that's being egged on by an opposition to Jupiter who's like, you can do anything. You can take on the world. So do you follow me? Now that Jupiter has another little problematic tryst going on. And this one is with Venus. Jupiter is square to Venus in Sagittarius in the eighth house, which is the house of death, transformation, um, the, the dark side, you know, like for like shadow, shadow work happens in the eighth house and it's, mm-hmm. and here it's being ruled by Scorpio again. Ooh, yes. Ooh, it's ooh. ruled by Scorpio. Well, no, it's not in Scorpio, but it's oh, okay. the eighth it's house ruled by, ruled by Scorpio. Got it. Okay. So Got it has it. Okay. that Scorpio energy. Now, again, Venus square to Jupiter, Jupiter can actually do a lot of great things in a person's chart under different circumstances. Like being big hearted and warm, but it can also lead people to do questionable things in their relationships or um, dark things in the name of sticking to their values because Venus controls your values as well as your relationships. And then that Venus reaches out to Saturn in the 12th house. As we know, Saturn oversees government systems like the police, courts, the law, and the 12th house is the house of, among many other things like trauma, It's also the house of prison. So all five of those planets are talking to each other, but baby, we're just getting started with this insane chart. So, okay. Side note real quick. Yeah. How much would you love to ask Lyle Menendez if he's sorry, he asked his brother to do it with him. And if he'd just been like, I'm going to do this, that's all you need to know. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Or just like, why don't you take a walk, babe? (laughs) or just like like why don't you go away for the weekend and then like yeah I don't know how this happened exactly yep 
Yes. Because there is a solid possibility that both those boys would be living their best lives in townhomes in Marina del Rey, where they literally bought like townhomes next to each other. Yeah. And just like, you know, hopefully yeah. both in therapy, but like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You can't trust us, Sages, you know, cry babies. <laughs> We're not, but you know, so again, sorry, Eric, really sorry, but Bund- like <laughs> Bundy was a Sag, you know, so yeah. you, you just have to look at a chart. You, you just got to look at a chart. You just got to check out. The- well, I saw someone who posted something about like, you know, that, that astrology is bullshit because, um, the Rittenhouse kid and Greta Thornburg were born on the same day. And I was like, well, I know that you don't know anything about astrology because there's like a fuckload more literally. No. And I was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. These are both people with tremendous drive. You know, like that makes a, a ton of sense, but you have to look at the rest of the chart to know where that drive is going, where that drive is going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to Neptune and Scorpio. This placement creates one of the four corners of an astrological pattern called an envelope. An envelope consists of five planets. You have two sets of sextals and two sets of trines and all four of those planets in those configurations make a rectangle in the chart. Then within the rectangle is a grand trine and the tip of the grand trine pokes out of the rectangle and creates a fifth point that makes the whole thing look like an envelope. Okay. And because, I can do this. I yes. can imagine it in my mind's eye. Yeah. And yeah, so you've got, um, well, whatever. I explained it. That makes sense, right? I don't want to confuse yes. it too much. Okay. I got it. Okay. Uh, and because of that configuration and because geometry is a thing, that <laughs> means that there are at least two oppositions that go diagonally across each side of the envelope, forming an X in the middle of it. Sound like any other charts we just talked about? Uh, sounds a little bit like the other chart that we talked about. Yeah. Mm, so conversations got, happening. Right. So in the other one, we had a trine at the top two oppositions making an X in the middle and then a sextile at the bottom. In this one, we have a trine at the top, zigzag two oppositions in the middle, crossing each other, and then another trine at the bottom. And then at the top, we have this fifth point, which is because that bottom trine is part of a grand trine. And the point of the grand trine pokes out of the rectangle and makes the fifth point. Does that? Ooh, yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So what does this whole thing mean? This means that much like the trapeze in Jose's chart, all of these planets are talking about an issue and two oppositions are at the center of this issue. So once again, let's look at the oppositions. Here's the first one. We've got Chiron, of course. Of course. Of course. Fucker. Yeah. In the 11th house, opposing Pluto and Uranus. In Virgo, because he's got a wide seven degree conjunction between Pluto and Uranus. I feel like you couldn't get much more like this is so fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Exactly. So this is some shit. Chiron opposite Pluto is some shit, y'all. First of all, Chiron in Pisces, sensi as fuck Pisces. It's in, in Pisces. Yes. Oh. My God. Uh, <laughs> ouch, dude. In the 11th house, the house of friends, but also the house of hopes and dreams. This is someone who likely has felt some serious rejection in life, someone who never felt like they belonged and someone with a lot of vulnerabilities who was, and this is like legit, who was likely preyed upon by psychopaths who specifically look for 
vulnerable people. That's literally a potential result. It doesn't get much more vulnerable than a child. Yeah, of Chiron in the 11th house. Another way this can look is people with this aspect shut down emotionally because of some trauma that happened early in life that they've numbed out to, as in their ability to be hopeful was so deeply wounded early on that they've like shut that the the possibility of goodness out. So that little fun piece is opposing Pluto in Virgo in the fifth house. Now, this is super interesting for a couple of reasons. One, we normally think of the fifth house as a fun house, right? It's a house of pleasure, creativity, leisure, but the fifth house is also the house of children. So when you have Pluto, planet of abuse and death and ulterior motives in the fifth house, there was likely child abuse happening. And because Pluto deals with taboo sexuality, it's very likely that there was sexual abuse happening. Well, it turns out, turns out it, there was, it was very likely that there yeah. was sexual abuse happening. That is correct. Why am I laughing? It's not funny. No, it's we're laughing because it's so intense and and we're trying we're to fuck because it. I don't feel like crying yep, today. That, that is why. But here's another thing. If you recall, Jose has Chiron in Virgo, right? That's that's a wound around never feeling good enough. Right. And then his son has Pluto in Virgo. And that's abuse because of someone not feeling good enough. <laughs> so I, so this is like a moment of ancestral trauma that you can see in the charts. Chiron is just repeating itself. Yeah. Chi- or, or like feeding into the next generation. So like not in its shadow self, Jose had an opportunity to heal right. and heal for the next generation. Instead, yes. he was like, nope, I'm going to turn on that route where we just repeat this shit. Yes. And that is exactly what I wanted to point out is that, um, I look at, I look at this and I see like, you know, Chiron is the wounded healer, but only if you fucking work on yourself and heal your trauma. Otherwise it's just a wound. Chiron is the point where you wound others. It's the wounded healer or the wounded woundy wound of how you wound others. It's, it's essentially the wound inside you from which you inflict pain onto the, and it's it's interesting now when you consider what, what Lyle and Eric did. Yeah. You know, I mean, they could have. I mean, people talk about how awful what what they did was. I get that. I understand that perspective. You also consider that they could have grown up to have families and done that to them. Mm, Yeah. And instead they were like, this ends today. Yeah. We're not doing this today. I mean, who who knows? I mean, yes. And, and Lyle got up on the stand, on the fucking stand. Oh my God. If you watch, this is such a powerful moment and talks about how as a child, he did what his father did to his, to his younger to his, brother. Right. Yeah. And yeah. apologized to his brother on the stand. Yeah. You know, and they're both sobbing. Right. Of course. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is part of what we're looking at here. We have Jose saying, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel man enough. I don't feel in control enough. And so you, my child, you're going to pay for all that. Yeah. There's Pluto in Virgo. Okay. <laughs> again Lyle pulled a reverse uno on him he's like hey guess what you're also gonna pay for that yeah right exactly Mm -hmm. okay so remember how Jose had Uranus sexual Pluto that's the sick fuck combo the abuse that's like outside the place like happy meal from hell the Steve Jobs of abuse okay Mm -hmm. here in Lyle's chart we have Pluto conjunct Uranus so I this is interesting because a sextal is when you have two planets are about 60 degrees apart and the effect is like Oh, I enjoy this generally, right? A sextile is a good thing. And 
that's why Jose was a sick fuck. It was fun for him, right? Loves it. Mm -hmm. Fucking woohoo. I love scheming up new ways to abuse. Mm -hmm. But a conjunction is different. Remember a conjunction in this case, because it's a wide seven degree conjunction here is like the can can girls shoulder to shoulder in the kick line. Mm -hmm. You know, the two planets are right next to each other. So this, a conjunction is often like a too close for comfort vibe. It's not fun. Like a sex doll usually is unless of course in fucking Jose's case, it was like, yeah, it's fun. He was loving this shit. Not, Not fun for any fucking anyone else, dude. No, no one else was having any fun. Can you imagine being at that party? You're like, oh, I left my oven on. <laughs> like, also, I- it's, just, it's also, it's really a reflection of how much you can get away with when you're fucking rich. And when you're yeah. a man, you know, people are just like, boop, do just gonna. So, the person who talked about this was a woman and she was like, I have never left a room so fast. She was like, the room fucking empty. People were like, oh, my cat is crying. I have, you know, like, just we're like, gotta go. But no one was like, hey, this is super inappropriate. And yes. now I'm calling the police. What the fuck? You know? Yes, right? hundred fucking thousand percent. Call CPS, dude. Mm-hmm. Hey, Just, you know what? If you're doing this, what are you doing to your children? Because this is yeah. uh, problematic. No oh, one did that. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm. Yeah, that it's in. It, it's beyond. It's, it's beyond comprehension to me. It also says something about the difference in time. I don't. I don't. I mean, true. Maybe I'm being. Sure. Maybe I'm being naive, but I feel like you are less likely to be able to get away with that shit now. Yeah. You know, I don't know money. I don't know. I mean, you've got Jeffrey Epstein and fucking Weinstein and lots of Steens out there doing some fucked up shit. (laughs) Um, But we should do Epstein. We should do Epstein and we we can do the astrology on whether or not that fucker killed himself. Oh, that's actually, oh, we should totally do that. Okay. We should totally do that. We'll put that on the list. Okay. So again, it says if Lyle, because of this whole thing this like in jose it's a sextile in lyle it's conjunction so it's like um it's like lyle is experiencing jose's pluto sextile uranus behavior aka sick fuck behavior in a way that's not enjoyable because he has pluto conjunct uranus like too much not fun now so it's just interesting looking at these like nuances between the two charts so that's our first opposition the next one connects that Neptune in Scorpio in the seventh house of partnerships with his moon in the first house in Taurus. So let's look at moon in the first house of Taurus. So uh, this could lead a person to have an emotional relationship with money because Taurus rules wealth. So I think like that um, sort of learned behavior of associating like, oh, I'm feeling really emotional. So I'm going to go spend like it makes sense when you look at his chart. Mm. Also, it's going to make someone very headstrong about their emotions, right? Like that's Taurus. That's the energy of Taurus, very stubborn, very like driven, like I'm fucking doing this and the emotions, right? So like we're fucking powering through this. We're doing this. Also, it gives a person excellent brain power, which is something that like you wouldn't necessarily think right away, but it is this mastermind power because the moon is exalted in Taurus. So it creates this like um, really strong mind power energy. And mm. that, all of that is reaching out to Neptune in Scorpio, which can lead a person to just go balls to the wall into the darkness in Scorpio, just the super chill sign of death in the mm-hmm. seventh house, mm-hmm. which is a house of one-on-one partnerships. Like, you know, maybe perchance the brother who helps you murder your parents. Mm-hmm. So basically that's what's at the center of the conflict, a deep wound around feeling rejected and hopeless about life Mm 
that was caused by abuse in childhood on one end and a mastermind teaming up with a partner to go all in on darkness and death. And then you have Chiron reaching out to Neptune in a trine and his moon reaching out to Pluto in a trine and Chiron reaching out to his moon with a sextile and Pluto reaching out to Neptune with a sextile. Okay. So I won't go into all of those because really I've kind of talked about what all of this looks like already. All of these points are talking to each other and being like, Hey, yo, like, how's about we get together and address. I got an idea. Yeah. Right. But remember I said, there's a grand trine in the middle of the envelope pattern. So let's look at that. This grand trine is created by three points, his moon in Taurus in the first house, his Pluto in Virgo in the fifth house. And at the top, his mid heaven in Capricorn conjunct his sun in the ninth house. Oh, we've, we've already talked about two of these points, moon and Pluto, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking NAR AF. So let's talk about this third one. We've got sun conjunct midheaven. The sun rules your image and your identity. The midheaven is the point in a person's chart that tells you about their legacy, what they will be remembered for. And it's both Capricorn. Yes. His legacy and his identity are intertwined here. Like the Twizzler from last week. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yes. The poop Twizzler. Yeah. Our poop Twizzler from fucking Jim Jones. And together they are at the top point in this envelope configuration. So this is like a major point in this conversation around his deepest wound in the 11th house, around the, the child abuse in the fifth house and around masterminding and joining up with a partner, which was the other opposition. So what does this major point tell us this top of the trine? Well, we're in Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn planet of laws, courts, and jails. And And we're in the devil. (laughs) Yes. That's the other thing. Capricorn is represented in the tarot by the devil card. Although I will say that it's more about power. I feel it's more about power. Yeah. But, but there also we'll just TO for this little fucking sidebar. Why do you think that the symbol of Capricorn is the devil holding people enslaved, enslaved in slavery? And it's also the sign of the government. (laughs) Mm. it's just something what, to ponder real let's quick. do let's do like uh do the astrology of the founding fathers creating the government i bet speaking of sign of a crime like yeah. <laughs> speaking of slavery speaking of actual actual fucking slavery fucking slavery not metaphorical yeah. actual just really writing that into the fucking laws no you guys don't want to talk about it but that doesn't mean it didn't happen i mean it's really like that that connection is all about colonialism governments colonialism keeping people controlled in this like in 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 slavery you know in this way yeah um it's really a thing okay back to this back to fucking lyle okay um blah 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 where was i jails ninth house okay oh okay so also so saturn planet of laws courts jails and we're in the ninth house which is the house of international travel and broadcasting among other things so we're looking at the outcome of all of this which is a court case that is broadcast internationally and of course leads to jail normally that's where i would end this tale of woe however homeboy has something in his chart that is super rare it's called a yod a yod a yod y-o-d some people call it the finger of fate or the finger of god 
And it's a signifier of someone who will have a super intense life and need to change constantly. Here are some people with yods in their charts. And I just think this is, I was like, when I was like looking like who else has had yods, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Princess Diana had two yods. Two? Yeah. Princess oh, Diana. I mean, not for the home girl. I mean, talk about someone who had to change constantly yeah. such mm-hmm. drastic ways. Princess Diana, Prince William, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle. What? what? Yeah. yeah. All these people just yawning it up. Just yawning wow. it up. Wow. And then also just Prince, like Raspberry Beret Prince. <laughs> Can I say that when you said it, I don't know why, but I was like, I bet Prince had one. Oh my God. Yes. You intuited that. But also yeah. like, isn't it odd? Like by that list, you think was only people just with, a lot of royalty with Prince well, in their names. I'm, I'm sorry. Prince definitely considered himself royalty. So. And he was, let's be and honest. And he was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So we you will would not think, be taking commentary on that. Please you, fuck off if you don't believe it. Yeah. Don't add us. So if you think that this is like uh, just a royalty thing. It's not because then we have fucking Lyle Menendez. Because we so, have Lyle Menendez. A yod is when you have two planets that are sextile to each other and a third planet that is 150 degrees, AKA quincux. That's how quincux is the name of that aspect wow. away from both of them. And it makes a long, thin triangle. And this is the yod, this triangle. It's the finger of fate. It's seen as faded and it's seen as chaotic. It basically points to a crisis. Well, that checks out. Yes. <laughs> a crisis in the person's life that they must make a difficult decision around, a faded decision, a decision they were sent here in this lifetime to make. Now, whatever decision they end up making is not the part that's faded. The fate is in the fact that some sort of chaotic situation will force a decision. But Whatever they, whatever they decide is their free will. So what are the planets that create Lyle's Yod? Well, of course, Pluto in Virgo in the house of children. Neptune in Scorpio in the house of partnerships. And the third point is his north node, the node of destiny, your life lessons, your soul purpose. In Aries, which is a sign of bravery. And- I knew it was in there. Yes. I knew there was some Aries in there. Yeah. With your fucking Aries, man. Um, in air, which I love, which, which I love the part of me you like, don't act like it isn't. (laughs) That's the part of me that like some dude tried to like tap us with his car. And I was like, I don't fucking think so. Yeah, it's true. I do love, I do love it. Uh, okay. Aries sign of bravery and independence. If you choose, if you, if you go toward the light, that's Aries bravery, independence, but also sign of violence and war if you choose the shadow. Mm. In, what house are we in? In the 12th house, the house of trauma, of secrets, mm. of prisons in, in its shadow side, but in its, in its um, power, 12th house is a container for your mental health, for your spirituality, and for subconscious integration. So it's like, this is the finger of fate pointing to this crisis point. And th- this is the point where he has to make a decision. And that is. Well, he did. Stroke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos, yeah. crisis, a faded decision. And that is the astrology of Lyle Menendez. I, ha- I was thinking about this all week about like, and because I've been watching all these specials and Olivia was with me and she was like, oh, I guess, you know, like he 
I, I, you know, I explained to her, I was like, yeah, he killed his parents. He was being abused and killed his parents. She was like, oh, I guess he made the right decision. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, he, he could have gone a different route. Um, but I, I get it. Yeah. You know, oh, no, I, I mean, get like, it. I like, get it. Like I get it. And also like, maybe, maybe there's a part of him not consciously, but was like, I am going to do this. I don't know anything else. I'm better in a place where I can't. Because oh, you mean you think that he kind of knew that, or was like, I think I that have- there's a part of him who was like, this has to stop all of us. This has to stop. Like I, he can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Wow. All, this, this has got to mom can't be th- th- all of this. It's got to stop. Well, and it's interesting when you think about the fact that he waited for the cops to come, he was, he was, he they, was like, that's what he claims. Yeah. And to be fair, I believe him because the home bitch used a shotgun. Did you call him a home bitch? I did. Like <laughs> he this. didn't, I mean, I'm just thinking like you could have, he didn't even use a pillow. You know what I'm saying? Like the dude went out and got, and he bought the guns. He used some, I mean, they're the, the cops were like, oh, we use someone else's ID, which is, it shows intent that he was trying to hide it and all that. And I get all that. That makes sense to me, but he didn't buy something with a silencer. He didn't buy a, you know, a 22. He didn't buy a handgun. He bought a fucking like uh, called like a mouse. Someone out there is going to know what this is. Mouse burger. I don't know. Something, something, a big ass shotgun, two of them. That shit's loud and people heard it, you know, and he assumed he says he did. And I believe him that there were going to be cops there just being like, okay, you killed your parents off to jail. You go, you know, I I mean, there are a lot of ways he could have done this that didn't include the really obvious way he did it. Right. Um, Yeah, you're right. It it was a sense of like, almost like I can't, like, I'm not even trying not to get caught. I'm just trying to make this end. Yeah. Like this has to stop. And it had like, like they went out, I mean, they killed their dad. They didn't have to kill their mom, but I think that, I think that there was a part of that was like, this is all of us. This is, we're sick. This is sick. Yeah. This is an infection that can't be cured. We yeah. got to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Has, so, so I'm curious, have they had kids with their wives? No, of course not. They can't, they, they can't, can't have, have sex consult, with them, but they There's can't no have conjugal consult? visits. No, they're in like high security, you know, I don't How even the know. Fuck if- was Bundy able to fucking procreate? we should do Bundy and we'll figure that out. Oh my God. Although I feel like, did he procreate while he was in jail? I I think so. That yeah, woman we'll that to, he's, he's on our list, right? He, I hope so because I know, I know, I know he is. And I ordered uh, the stranger beside me. Cause I was like, I got to get Anne rules. Oh, this. The, that's the one I watched that documentary with that. Like, um, focus on his ex-girlfriend's testimony yeah. or all yeah, for, yeah. yes, I watched that. And I'm here to tell you, I was alone. This I watched it right as the pandemic was starting. I was alone in Tucson and I fucking got a massive rock from outside, pulled it into <laughs> my house and put it in front of, I'm, and put it against my door and also went into my bedroom and put a chair under the fucking doorknob in my bedroom because I was so terrified after watching that. I had never, uh, I had never heard all of the details of what he did. It's and bad. Oh, it, it destroyed me for like a week. I also got sick. I fucking got sick after I watched it because it stressed me out so bad that my immune system fucking bottomed out. It was amazing to me because it, you know, they were like, he used to pretend to have broken limbs or whatever. And like, okay, right. help me get in my car. And me, I'm like, no, I mean, I'm like, no, absolutely. No, 
Like I have read all, I watched it. I, I know what's it, up. Pre Bundy, I totally, I would have been that person who was like, oh my God, yes, I'll totally help you. I know you would have, like, which is it, why I'm constantly like, don't do that shit. I know, but like, well now, obviously I would never do anything like that. But at the time, you know, it, part of the thing that like, I really think about the seventies and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is naive, but it feels like so much innocence was destroyed during that time. That's the absolutely 60s and seventies. And, um, and I don't know why, like, why did, why were serious? I, I absolutely think it was in tandem with feminism, the boom of feminism and this rage against women for empowering themselves during this time. I 100% and all, yeah, I just feel like, it yeah, was like, I most serial killers are men. Yeah. And and most serial killers kill women. I yes. mean, that, those are just uh, statistics. It's not right. me making that up. But you also know, I do, during yeah. this time was when it, there was like this massive boom yeah. in serial killers murdering women. And, it, and I just, I absolutely believe that it was because of this patriarchal rage around like, oh, I can't control you in these other ways. Well, I'm going to control, control you in this way. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to show, I'm going to exert the ultimate control. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Exactly. You can help me put this in my car. My arm's broken. Also, I'm kind of hot. So also I'm a lawyer and, and I got away with it for forever. Cause I'm a, a fucking charming ass Sag. I can't remember his name. Um, he died recently actually. And he looked like a poodle. He had like poodle hair. Um, <laughs> honestly, I will show you his picture. I can't remember his name. As soon as I, as soon as someone out there like I have Murderino friends who listen to this and they're saying his name, screaming it at me right now. Um, he was a dude who killed forever. Like he, and he was caught with a girl that he was, he, she was almost dead. She was like 12 in his room by a cop. Like someone saw him pick this girl up, take her to his house and was like, and this was amazing. Cause I think it was the seventies or eight. No, it might've been, it was definitely the seventies might've been the sixties. And they were like, this is not okay. And called the cops, cops went in there like the cops knocked on the door and he's like, Oh, I'm dressing. And they're like, you got five seconds to open this door. And he went out the back, like went out the back fucking door. And like, they found the girl and they, they kept her alive. And then the guy, and this was, I think on the East coast. And then the guy went to, or maybe it was, no, it was in California. And he just, he went to New York and then he became a camp counselor. <gasps> at a girls camp. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh yeah. no. And then he became a photographer and he went back to California and was to like, Huntington oh, I'll Beach make you and was just like, yeah, exactly. Like you a model. Yeah. And killed and just like, you know, it was the 70s and the 80s, lots of girls hitchhiking, and that's mostly how right. he got his victims. Right. And but this this fucking dude, he killed the wrong teenager and the mother went after him. And I mean, like, so he got caught and she went, she was like, fuck you. And like did everything she could do to see his ass go to jail. And he was one of those ones that like, I'm smart and everybody. And he represented himself. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Anyway, he went to jail, but he, um, God, fuck. I wish I could remember his name. He, uh, he would, he would appeal every year and be like, I, you know, like for, and try to get out based on technicalities. Then he would, you know, for parole be like, I didn't do it. They don't have any proof. And they were like, bitch, they found like, mementos of all the women who were dead in your house you fucking idiot and he's like i find things you know and i'm like yeah. oh you happen to find <laughs> god damn it this and these are the narcissists and okay so wait we have to do this guy eventually and i'm yes really curious we will eventually do this guy i, I will send is. you the name as soon as we sign off i'm gonna immediately remember it i'm sure but i'll google okay. it if i don't and like when i show you his picture you're gonna be like oh you are you are you rapist. are 
Yeah, you have poodle hair, sir. You, I mean, it's literally long, black, curly ringlets of hair at his yeah. last trial, like down to his fucking, down to boob level. It was, it wasn't great. Gross. It was not good. He looked like a pedophile. Well, and he was. So it's nice well. when they advertise in that way. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, fucking put that on the marquee. I yeah, rape children. You. Yeah, yeah. Good to, great to know. That is good. Good, to know. good information good to, know. to have. Put that on your tender. I would like swipe left. Thank and if you. there's anyone y'all want us to cover, you can hit us up at sign of the crime, sign of the crime podcast at gmail.com. Also, um, subscribe. It really does help our pod on Spotify and Apple. You can rate review on Apple. That would be fucking tight. And I keep threatening to make an Instagram. Um, and then once the holidays are over, I'll do it. And you know what? Maybe we could like do some like you maybe make some like really crude, like don't take you a lot of time, but like just some drawings of what some of these shapes look like with like this planet over here and this planet yes. over here. Well, what I'll do is I'll screenshot their shirt. Oh my God, I say <laughs> sharks. <laughs> Please don't screenshot anybody's sharts. No one wants to look at that. Wow, what does a shirt even? Yeah. Although no. honestly, Remy, some people's charts, some people, some people's charts should be called shorts because they're wow, bad. they really should. Jose Menendez, it's, for example. Jose Menendez had a shirt. That wasn't a chart. That was some a chart. Shit stars, really. <laughs> some shit stars. Yep. Uh, what now? Um, what are we saying? <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna start an Instagram. Yes, we're we're gonna do an yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I like. Let me just get the holidays over with because like every day my children bring me new things they want and I'm like, it's done. <laughs> shopping is done. I'm not Stop doing any more shopping. Can I tell you, Olivia, when she was a kid, was obsessed with this thing called Shopkins. And if there are any parents out there, you know my private personal hell because it's like, can you please buy me tiny things that you're going to step on forever that have no real value and that I won't ever play with that I'll just show you over and over again? And then she got over it. There was a cartoon involved, which made it take a while, but whatever. And now someone gave her something called mini brands, which is literally just tiny reproduced things so like it was a box of like here's a tiny um thing of bubblicious gum tiny there's no actual gum in it which makes it useless but just like this is what it looks like and here's like a tiny rubik's cube in a box and here's um a tiny mentos and it's forty dollars Oh no! Well, and I'm like, no, I'm not no. buying you. Like, I'm well, not. Well, it's for okay this. to say no to them. Sometimes they have so much. You, I'm just saying that I'm giving that list to Aunt Remy. <laughs> I already got them their gifts. I'm not talking. I'm, no, we're done with gifts for now. Like, you're talking like about her birthday. Up. Yeah, okay. you can okay. buy her that shit because the Capricorn in me is like, I can't purchase things that are literally valueless. No, I'm telling you, I have Mars and Capricorn, and I feel that so hard. I'm like, ugh buying you things and you're never going to use them again and then like I for about, nothing you I can't even about, play with it how do you play with this also landfills you know also landfills yeah landfills I, I feel that in general when you buy children's toys oh just yeah in general. when I walk when I walk into like a target or something I just look around and I just think landfills I'm just like yeah, all of this I, my eyes starts twitching it's funny people are like you're really cheap you buy all your shit at thrift stores and I'm like I am cheap but that's not why I buy shit at thrift stores because I have a tourist rising and I like expensive shit I buy shit at thrift stores because I'm afraid that we're going to set our planet on fire and I have children because so. this is a shit storm that we're living in and yeah, we're we, we just created people to, to it yeah so let's just all shop at thrift stores so you know? no finger to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Aries moon. Wait, Anybody who's like, you're so cheap. You're oh, like, I was like, okay, to, well, not to- you. You all, Remy is the one who's like, here's cute things that I found at thrift stores. I, oh, yeah. I told it's possible. You can oh, do yeah. it. I'm like, totally. it feels like a lot of work, but I will do my best. No, I love a thrift. All right. I, know I you love do. you. I love you too. 
Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody. I think when this goes out, it might be around Christmas time. I think it might be on Christmas Day. No, because Christmas is Saturday. So it will be before Christmas Day, but it will be the closest Christmas. Okay. Yeah. I have kids. I know exactly when Christmas is. Okay. So countdown. I think it'll be right before Christmas Day. Yeah. It's this Thursday, right? Well, Merry fucking Christmas if you're into Christmas. Yay. Or happy holidays. Or yeah, no. yeah. Happy, happy Hanukkah. That happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy, There's more. Those yeah, are just happy the other ones that I don't know about. Happy everybody. Be happy. Merry happy. Yeah. Don't kill anybody. Don't kill anybody. <sighs> yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.